Welcome to The Gathering Place with Blessed Is She. I'm Jenna Gizar. And I'm Beth Davis. Pull up a chair and grab a drink. Or you could just keep doing what you're doing. Pull up a chair in your heart. (laughs) Come chat with us about Jesus, prayer, community, and life. So let's get started. Hi, Jenna. Hi, Beth. How are you, friend? Just dandy. How are you doing? Couldn't be better. That's great. I'm so happy to be here with Claire. Hi, Claire. Hello. How's it going? So good. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. I am really excited. Claire, would you mind introducing yourself? Yeah, so I am Claire Swinarski. I am here in the snowy tundra of Wisconsin. We're actually snowed in today. My husband didn't go to work because he can't get out of our driveway. No. (laughs) Yes. I have two little kids and I spend most of my time writing and podcasting. I'm the host of the Catholic Feminist Podcast where we discuss women and their role in the church and in the world. And I have a book for the Catholic feminist called Girl Arise from Ave Maria Press. Kind of have a lot going on right now. (laughs) Claire, I love that you picked my favorite Bible verse as the title of your book. You know what? I didn't even pick it. They picked it and I loved it. I really wanted to call it the Catholic feminist and they were worried it was going to sound too like sociology textbook. Like as if it was going to be on like the history of feminist theory or something. And that made sense to me. Mm -hmm. And so they presented Girl Arise and I loved it so much. Well, congratulations. What a gift. Yeah, I'm really excited. Claire, I loved getting to meet you in person, finally at Seek. I've heard your voice in my car, in my headphones, but it was really neat to get to be together. I totally agree. It was so fun to be there and meet you guys. A lot of people have no idea what I look like. And I was telling everyone that you'll be able to see me because I'm really tall. And then almost every single person who came up to me was like, you're so tall. And I was like, I told you guys I was 6'2". Just look at the crowd. And then me and Jen Fulweiler, you can always find us. Get out of here. You're 6'2". I come from a very tall family. Wow. (laughs) How tall is your husband? He is 6'5". My daughter is nine months old, and she is already literally off the curve when they show us her height. So I'm like, oh, girlfriend, being tall, it took a long time for me to love that. (laughs) Some struggles in it when you're growing up. But you do? Do you love it now? I would say I'm fine with it now. I can't like honestly say I love it. The main issue when you're growing up is that you are just taller than everybody else and you stick out. And like how many young girls really want to stick out from the crowd? If you have that confidence, that's awesome. I did not. I had a very tall roommate in college, a volleyball player. And so I was going to mention Claire how tall you were. And then I thought Susie hates that. People just walk up to her in line at a grocery store and say like, well, you're pretty tall. She's like, yeah. (laughs) That must be how the priests feel. So Beth and I just went with our priest friend to a grocery store. A grocery store. He just stands out. It was like being with a celebrity. It was kind of cool because we've had the experience of traveling with him where he wasn't well received as a priest in clerics. Apparently grocery stores are like a hot spot for priests because every person we walked past was like gawking at him and you know very respectfully, yes. very kindly acknowledging his presence, saying hello. (laughs) It was really interesting. That reminds me of when I talked to Sister Teresa 
on my podcast, she was talking about how it can sometimes be hard as a sister. You like represent the church. We all have those badges where we're in line at the mm-hmm. grocery store or something and something bugs us and we just roll our eyes. They really can't do that because Mm-mm. everyone's watching and anyone who's had a negative experience with Catholicism is just going to pin that all on you. And yes. you're basically like just this representative all the time. I know you were a focused missionary and I just think it's such a brave, beautiful mission that Focus is living out in the world, particularly on college campuses in the U.S. and abroad, I guess. But I would love to hear how you got there. Where did your conversion happen? Did you grow up super Catholic? So I grew up Catholic, but I don't feel like I was formed super well in the faith We went to mass most of the time, but we'd kind of skip it. I honestly thought that confession was something that they used to do. Like, I literally (laughs) didn't think you did it anymore. Like, we didn't even. And I also pin a bit of that on, like, my catechesis. You know, Mm -hmm. we didn't go to confession before confirmation or anything like that. I just don't feel like I had a really proper, like, Catholic education. But I had parents who loved God and loved me. And so that really created a foundation of morality that definitely has benefited me. My freshman year of college is my worst year of my life, hands Mm. down. I hated it. It was so horrible. I just was so homesick, which is hilarious Mm. because I went to college in my hometown. None of my friends went to UW-Madison where I went, and I just really missed living at home. I'm like super close with my mom, and so I just hated not living with her. I just was really unhappy, and then a bunch of things happened at once. My grandma, who I was really close to, died, and then a boy, like, stopped at my heart, and then I got denied from journalism school. It was rough. But so I ended up going on a retreat at our Catholic center. I don't even know what made me do that. I cannot believe I did that. Like, I didn't know a single person, probably the one freaking time I'd been to Mass in, like, a year, they announced it, and I was like, I'm going. So I went, and... I ended up meeting these really phenomenal women who ended up inviting me into a Bible study. And that's kind of why I was passionate about relationship-led ministry. I never in my life have had that moment where like the sky opens up and a dove flies down and lands in front of you and proclaims the gospel. Like I've never had that moment, but I have always had so many women put in my life who passionately love the Lord and love me and show me God's love. And so I joined this Bible study and I started to get more involved in our Catholic center and I went on more retreats and I joined a retreat planning team. And eventually I met a focus missionary my senior year of college. She became one of my dearest friends and she was really intentional with me about not just loving the Lord, but loving the Catholic church, because that had been a bit of an issue for me. A lot of my political beliefs didn't line up with church teachings. And so she was just so intentional with me really asking what I thought and listening and taking the time to like help me seek out resources, listened to a lot of Father Mike. And then, yeah, I was thinking about what I wanted to do after school. And I just really felt God strongly. I've probably only felt God that strongly twice in my life. And Mm. that was one of them just really telling me that I should go be a missionary. And so I did. And it was like a really wonderful two years. But It was also really hard, and I am happy to not work in full-time ministry. (laughs) Claire, I just want to know what the other time you felt God so strongly was. My boyfriend and I were deciding if we should uh, break up or get engaged. We got engaged, and now we're (laughs) Wow. I feel like for every Catholic, right, there comes a point where you have the faith of your family. There's a point where it really becomes your own. 
And you're not just going to mass anymore. You got on a retreat team. Well, you went on a retreat. You got on a retreat team. Your community started to change and you were surrounded by other like-minded, like passionate Catholics. I'm hearing that there's like a shift from just your average next door neighbor Catholic to like passionate, spirit-filled, discerning, praying Catholic. Mm. Absolutely. And I think when you look at any statistics about Catholics, what percent of Catholics actually go to mass every week or what percent of Catholics think you can have a relationship with Jesus, those numbers tend to be really depressing. That statistic alone is terrifying to me. When I read about how many Catholics don't believe in the true presence of Jesus in the Eucharist or who don't believe that God is active and alive and interested in a daily relationship with them. It's so sad to me. I completely agree. It's super sad. And so you just want everyone to have that deep relationship because then once you do, you just can't really shut up about it. I will say that I even sometimes do shut up about it. Mm, (laughs) You know, even though I'm thinking about Jesus or thinking about kingdom things like salvation and God's provision, I'm not always totally bold in um, living that out in a secular circumstance like a grocery store yeah i think it's easy to say like oh that person's in ministry they're doing it they're out there and bold but really what are we doing behind closed doors are we living boldly in in our families in our friendships i had this experience just this week where i was talking to this like beautiful spirit-filled girl and she was asking how she could pray for me and i told her my dad has cancer and it's not something that i really entrust to people. She sent me a voice memo and she just began to pray over my family. And she prayed, cancer is gone in Jesus name. I pray God that you would heal Beth's dad of cancer in your name. I haven't even prayed Mm. that. Even like in ministry, sometimes I'm not always thinking about the generosity of God. I was just talking to one of my priest friends who told me that anyone he truly loves, he tells them not to work in ministry because he said it's just exhausting. It can be soul sucking and bureaucratic. And so often people work in ministry and then they like stop praying because they kind of start to see God as their job, which I'm totally guilty of that. Some days when I spend all day talking about sex trafficking and abortion and this super heavy stuff, my husband comes home and I'm like, don't talk to me. I need to introvert, like go away. And that certainly isn't good. So I totally get that. So how do you think we live above that in ministry or not in a secular workplace or full-time ministry? How do we live above Mm. our circumstances, above our feelings, and like bring Jesus into everything that we're doing and give Jesus out to the world. You've used a term before, Claire, that I love that I've been thinking about. You talked about being kingdom-minded, and I aspire to become and to live kingdom-minded. It's kind of cliche, but I always feel like the foundation of being kingdom-minded really is that prayer. Because when we are like taking a step back and we're praying, not only are we connecting with God, but we're keeping things in perspective, which I know can be so hard for me and for my family and for all women, everybody. Like to me to be kingdom minded means to bring the kingdom of God to earth and then Mm. to also know what the kingdom of God is. And in order to do those things, it often requires being so countercultural in a way that is really awkward and uncomfortable and scary a lot of the time. And so I think 
kind of praying for the Holy Spirit to come down and influence our words and actions is just the number one thing we can do. Because when we ask God to make us bold, I know for me, he always does. I have a bold personality by nature for sure, but there's times where I'm scared when a friend that I'm with makes a really pro-choice comment and I know I should say something, but I'm kind of scared to do it. When I pray for the Holy Spirit to make me bold, he does. And then when I'm able to be kingdom-minded and know what the kingdom of God is and its value and its importance, that makes something like an awkward moment feel so doable. Have you guys followed what's been going on in New York with abortion? I don't want to ruin your day, but yeah, they just voted to make abortion legal up until a baby's due date. To be kingdom-minded means to know that God's kingdom is greater than this. God's not up there like, oh yeah, wait, I have to focus on abortion as an issue. Or like, I have to go crack New York. Like God is there. God is in New York. He's in Planned Parenthood. We don't have to bring him anywhere. He's there. We just need to ask him to use us as tools And so I think all of that for me always comes back to prayer and just constantly Mm -hmm. staying connected to that fountain. I love that. That's a real macro example. But if I can just give you a little micro example. Yeah. I had lunch with a friend this weekend who is Catholic, even has been in ministry in the past. And I found myself sort of hesitating to say anything about Jesus Mm because I don't know where she's at and I don't want to make her feel like I'm being patronizing. But I just said it. I said, I'd really like to pray with you about that. I'm going to be praying about that, but I really want to pray with you. She started crying. People are so hungry for our genuine concern, and they're so hungry for Jesus. And we can give that without really a whole lot of personal pain. I think part of that, too, is you had a relationship with her. You know, like a lot of this foundation comes from having good relationships with the people around us. And to, you know, think what should relationships look like in the kingdom of God? What should motherhood look like? What should friendship look like? I want to know your guys' definitions of kingdom-minded. It would be good if I had a working definition of that. (laughs) I feel like we're sort of talking around it. Like, yeah, that's it. What does that mean? the kingdom come? I mean, we pray that. Thy kingdom kingdom come, come. thy will be done. Also, anytime Jesus says something like, the kingdom of God is at hand, you know, it's one of those scriptural acclamations. Okay, what does that actually mean? Does kingdom-minded mean you want peace right now? Because the kingdom Mm. is peace? Yeah, I love that. I always connected to the verse, do not be conformed to this world, but be, I'm going to butcher this, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That always ties me to it because like when you're thinking about the world versus the kingdom and how those two things should look different, I feel like whenever stuff happens in the world right now, how can we react to it differently and how can we make it more like the kingdom? So whether it's a viral video or a politician saying really hateful stuff, how do we respond to it? Do we respond to it like someone in the kingdom of God or do we respond to it like a super emotional, angry human on Twitter. God is already there. He's already in the situation. So for me, being kingdom-minded is having that perspective, that awareness all the time that God is involved and that we want to look to him and say, like, what are you doing here? What's your response here? I feel like I need a kingdom-minded hat, like a dunce hat, but kingdom-minded. Oh, I thought you meant, like, design (laughs) a hat that says kingdom-minded. I love it. dunce, but it's kingdom. (laughs) Put on your kingdom-minded thoughts. Okay, so listen. If there's a scripture for me that sums up the kingdom, it's Jesus walking on the water in the storm. So to be kingdom-minded is to say, like, this is temporary. 
Jesus is in it. He's got his own thoughts about it, his own agenda. He's like, yeah, come on out here. It doesn't make any sense in the frame of the world. It almost seems stupid. I don't know how to get out of a boat in the middle of oh, a storm. Uh-huh. It doesn't make sense to walk on water. Like that defies the laws of nature. But if we look at Jesus and what he's doing, that's what it means. To be kingdom-minded is to have the mind of Christ, I think, about our circumstances, about politics, about our future, about ourselves. I think I just really struggle with if I'm kingdom-minded, and this is probably not a true statement, but if I'm kingdom-minded, then that means I'm living above the circumstances of the physical world. But then am I just ignoring what's happening in the physical? Okay, I just had an Instagram post that people hated. Well, they either like loved it or hated it. (laughs) It It's very divided. And it was basically saying... That there are really super hard things going on in the world, especially for people, to be honest, who look differently than me. We have money enough. I We're white. We're able-bodied. All of these things. We're living in America. We don't have that many day-to-day real struggles, just being honest. Everyone has struggles, but you know what I mean? And I was basically posting that like there are really hard things that affect people who look really different than me, and I understand that. One book that really helped me get this lesson was He Leadeth Me by Father Walter Shizek. Have you guys ever read that? Yeah. I know. My heart. One of my favorites. Yeah. It was so good. I got it for Christmas. There's a quote in there basically talking about like God is the God of this world and that sometimes he might allow politicians to do these horrible things to just remind us that he is providential. Like he is there whether Mm. we're close, far away, no matter what. And people got really mad. Oh, this is so privileged and ignorant. And like, you're not realizing that there are actual issues and you should be more fired up. And I was like, fired up? Hello? Mm. Like, I am so fired up. I need some water on me most of the time. Um, (laughs) But I feel like it's not true to our faith to say that God isn't there. The thing I said was not true. I mean, you could say that I have a privileged mindset about it, which I absolutely can cop up to. But it is our faith that God is providential no matter what. I mean, that is the truth. And so I don't think clinging to that fact then takes away your responsibility to fight for the marginalized or to learn about topics. I think those things are kingdom-minded too because the kingdom is just and has justice. And there's a lot of areas of our world right now where justice is not thriving. And so I think bringing justice into those areas is being kingdom-minded. I'm just still thinking about Father Walter Chizik. No, I could think about him all day. <laughs> Future saint, Father Walter Chizik. Do you know anything about him, Jenna? He's a total hero of mine. He felt this burning call to go and preach the gospel in Russia. So he was a Catholic priest. He went there and he was pretty much immediately arrested and accused of being a spy for the Vatican. He was put in a Siberian work camp for almost 20 years. 18 years. Yeah. Wow. He was perceived dead even by his religious community. They had a funeral for him here in the States. And all the while, he dug trenches and he shared the gospel with the prisoners in the camp. Now, he could have looked at that circumstance and said, God, I was being faithful to you. Mm -hmm. And look what you did to me. Look what happened by being obedient. But instead, he was like, oh, this is the next place. He has a really beautiful quote about God's will. He talks about God's will being the 24 hours of every single day that we're given. So every person that comes in your path, 
every conversation that you have, every interruption is God's will for you. And you have the opportunity to respond to God's will in the moment. Isn't that incredible? Chris, if I'm ever on my deathbed, that is who I would like you to get a miracle from so we can make that man a <laughs> Good to know. Yeah, so he leadeth me. He wrote two. One is a memoir with God in Russia. He wrote in the intro of He Leadeth Me. I wrote a memoir because everyone wanted me to, but this He Leadeth Me is the book I actually wanted to write, Aww. which was like spiritual transformation. He Leadeth Me is a lot less. In this year, I went here and it's more like lessons learned in spirituality. What I love about it is that to answer your question about if we're living above our circumstances, is that us burying our heads in the sand? And I think Father Walter Chizik proves that it's not. The same with Maximilian Kolbe. He could have said, God, you abandoned me. But instead, he saw it as God's will, Mm. that he was in a prison, that he was going to die for this other prisoner. And he engaged with Christ in his circumstances. It made him, I think, even more generous to live above his circumstance. And yet, he was very active in those circumstances. Thanks for the lesson, gals. (laughs) You got to read this book, man. My friends and I would all, like, mail it to each other. My sister-in-law lunched me, and I lunched another girl. It was like the sisterhood of the traveling Walter Chizek. It's a really, really good book. (laughs) Yeah, we should ask him to pray for us. (laughs) Claire, would you mind closing us in prayer? No, I would love to. Thank you. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Dear Jesus... You said that whenever two or more are gathered in your name, you would be there. And we know that you are here in this conversation and in the lives of everyone listening. And we just ask that you would always help us be kingdom minded. Show us what that means. Infuse us with a desire to bring justice to earth and to make it more like your kingdom. Help us to always know that you are providential, that we are living your will and just empower us to serve others. We ask this in your name. Amen. 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 In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. It was such a joy chatting with you, and I want to keep chatting with you, but alas. Yeah. All right. Great chatting with you girls. Talk soon. Thanks, Claire. Thanks so much for gathering with us here on the Blessed Is She podcast. Send over all your questions using the Anchor app. We'd love to hear from you. Connect with us at blessedishe.net slash community and join us on all your favorite social media platforms. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. I love Twitter. Until next time.